How do you say your last name? Is it Lubbers, Lubbers? Like, how do you? Well, I'm going to Germany tomorrow, so it'll be Lubbers over there. <laughs> but uh, over here, it's Lubbers. Lubbers. Okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure, yeah. like, I didn't want to get it wrong. <laughs> it's okay. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com. And you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. And they're off for another Get 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And we're back with another episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast. My name is Kenny, and I've got Ryan here with me also. Ryan, how you doing? Good, man. I'm super excited today. We're here at Heaven Hills Marketing and Sales Department Probably everyone knows I'm a Heaven Hill fanboy, so I'm really excited to be here and talk to Bernie and learn more about the Heaven Hill brands and let everybody else know what's going on with them. Yeah, I know. Not to we're not we already told we're not going to make it the focus of it, but we've got to we've got to touch on it, right? So we've got to talk about the Elijah Craig age statement dropping off because it's it's kind of the, the hot news that was I don't even call it leaked out, but you know Fred Minnick kind of talked to hinted on it a few weeks ago. So uh, you know we'll, we'll kind of get some information on that. So uh, let's go ahead and we'll kick it off and introduce our guest. So today we have Bernie Lubbers. Bernie is the man known as the Whiskey Professor, and he's currently residing as the brand ambassador for Heaven Hill. So Bernie, welcome to the show. Thanks, good to see y'all. Yeah. So um, I guess. Before we kind of talk about your job and stuff like that, we always have the typical question we got to ask. So tell us, how did you get into bourbon? 
Like, what was that kind of that defining model, that defining moment? The, like bourbon in general, like growing up or Anything, in, in, like, in the I industry. Guess, where's where's how did it influence you? Like, yeah, not well. Not growing up in Kentucky uh, is a big influence, and my dad worked at Fall City Brewing Company here in Louisville, Kentucky, for forty five years. And my grandfather was one of the original 13 saloon keepers that founded Fall City Brewing Company in 1905. So kind of grew up in a related industry. It was kind of neat. Uh, my dad would bring home these cool things that had Fall City on it, you know, the I don't know they were called today. We call them POS. <laughs> you know what? It, you know you don't know what that is when you're a kid. Um, but it was really it looked really interesting, and and, and uh, I never intended I was ever going to be in the business. But uh, and my my parents were both bourbon drinkers. My dad uh, always drank bourbon. He obviously drank beer. Drank they drank beer as well. But uh, my mom and my dad both drank bourbon and beer. So. That's something you notice growing up. We're Catholic, so it's, you know, it's part <laughs> yeah, of the culture. It's, yeah. it's totally cool. So, <laughs> so you know, you, so you go up around all that and, uh, but you know, that's also good. You get to see people, you know, how they do it responsibly as well. And so that's something you're, you're, you're taught, uh, along, along the way. But, uh, and then I started doing stand up comedy out of, uh, college, uh, after about three years, I got out of college and had a, had a real job there for a while. Uh, uh, the, the comedy bug bit, and that was really in the mid nineteen eighties when comedy was really exploding all over the over the country. So uh, I, I, took, I took a chance to and that. I went out on the road and yeah. and I started doing comedy and doing that. And so when you see, and back then there was not many much bourbon in any any, especially in a comedy club. The comedy clubs aren't known for you having never got a big off stage or anything. Right? No, well, all, all, yeah, that's a whole different podcast and a whole different story. So, uh, but you know, so you notice things and being from Kentucky, you know, it's, it's nice to have something that you can say, they go, Oh, well, you make the bourbon or the Kentucky fried chicken. You know, there's a few things, the, you know, the Kentucky mm-hmm. Derby. Uh, so that was one of them though, because you're, you're in a, you know, nightclub and talking to, so anytime I would talk about my growing up and my, Family and that. And my dad was a, a big bourbon drinker. By the end of his life, he was drinking in my act. I talked about he drank a quart of bourbon a day, which is what he told the doctor when the doctor asked him how much he drank. So it became a big closing part of my act was talking about my, my 90-year-old dad who drank a quart of bourbon a day and had perfect health and, and all that stuff. So I'd always, always tell the folks in the crowd to order a shot of bourbon. And we're going to do a toast to my dad at the end of this routine here. So, and then I had a song I wrote about my dad and we did the toast during the song and it was really cool. And it became kind of a big part of my closing bit. And the folks at, um, one of the folks at uh, Jim Beam noticed that, that I was on stage talking to people and ordering bourbon from stage. Well, that's, you know, a pretty big thing for a, mm-hmm. a, a company if they're trying to get their brand into people's mouths. So, you know, I started, uh, so it was just, they just invited me a lot of tastings, a lot of things. I got to be around them. Um, a job became available. Uh, they asked me to interview for that job. Uh, I was doing events and promotions. It wasn't being in a, it was sort of like an ambassador job, but it was, it was like you know, just doing events and promotions for the, for the different whiskey brands. And, um, I started looking at it and presenting bourbon like a comedian would look at it, like, you know, why are we talking about how we're making this stuff? You know, that's not what I really want to hear about. Right. You know, I just assumed you did that good. You know, why, why is every bourbon presentation, you know, temperatures of when we drop the different grains and the fermenters and that? I mean, it's cool stuff, but this is for the average consumer. 
They want to hear the sexy stories. They want to hear the parties, all that stuff. <laughs> I mean, well, the, you know, the, the, the personalities, you know, the Booker knows and the Jimmy Russell's and that kind of, that's what they wanted to hear. I found a little niche to, to grab, grab onto, which was uh, words on labels. And uh, so I started teaching, uh, that just like a bottle of wine, you can learn a lot about that label if you read the label. So that kind of started putting my name. Like, like, oh, he knows a little bit of, even though I didn't, I wasn't an expert, but I found <laughs> something. Starts off as yeah, an I mean, you, know, you gotta be, you gotta start somewhere. And that became something that no one else was talking about. So I started talking about words on labels, Kentucky straight, bourbon, whiskey, bottle and bond, age statements, things like that, things that meant something by law. And the brand manager for Knob Creek and the Small Batch, she liked that. And I started promoting, uh, then I became an ambassador mm-hmm. and did that. And we, we, we expanded on that and then spent several years at Jim Beam. And then the folks at uh, Heaven Hill, their ambassador moved into a different role here. And they asked me if I would come over to Heaven Hill from Jim Beam. Uh, and I, I, it was made me a good offer. Yeah. Uh, but I like the fact that, uh, going from a big corporation like Jim Beam, who makes they make great whiskey, uh, great brands. Uh, you know, some of my, hopefully some of my work is still being felt over there, but, uh, over here it's family owned and that, it, that was attractive to me. And the fact that the family was not only owned the company, but was involved with the company and ran the company. And we have a lot of brands over here that a larger company wouldn't have. We have a lot of bottle and bond brands, which is my passion and my little niche that I, that I, you know, old granddad was one of my favorite. It was my first big favorite cool, like 1985, 86, you know, we talked about it on a podcast. Yeah. We said, what's, what's your favorite, like office bourbon that you always mm-hmm. have at the office, some that you always yeah. have. And I always said, old granddad, bottle and bond. Yeah. I'll keep it right there at my desk. And at the I, office. I found that in Parma, Ohio, uh, Drew Carey's backyard, you know, when I was working up in Cleveland and I, I, it was big up there. I didn't always, you know, know anything about regions, uh, when you're working in comedy, but that was a big area for old granddad. And I loved the bottle and bond since. And then I just, you know, always have, but over here we have so many bottle and bonds and so many cool old historic brands. It's like being in a little playground over here. So I really, really, you know, I, I, I enjoyed my time at Jim Beam and, and, and they have great stuff, but I just, it's really fun over here and the brands are, Exciting, yeah. I think. So you kind of talked about your, your bottle and bond piece, and, and you have your signature catchphrase or catch line, or what do you mm-hmm. want to call it? So kind of tell the listeners, like, what's what's all that about? Yeah, I, I, when I, I have a book that I've written, and when I'll do book signings, I'll just sign it, Stay Bonded, uh, <laughs> Bernie Lovers. And, and uh, my uh, card always has uh, Stay Bonded, everything, uh, hashtag save bond, Stay Bonded. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, thanks, Bottle and Bond. If it wasn't for the Bottle and Bond Act of 1897, we'd all be drinking Seagram 7 today. You know, back then in the late 1800s, they were blending all this stuff together to make whiskey. Whiskey didn't have any laws. There was there was no consumer protection laws on anything. Mm-hmm. But when, when the Bottle and Bond Act came out, not not you know before then they were just taking like neutral grain spirits, Everclear, if you will. Uh, adding colors and flavors. If you've talked to Michael Veach, you know, he's got recipes that they used to do where they used to add cherry juice, prune juice, tobacco juice, iodine for color, and then slap a whiskey label on it and you're selling whiskey. Well, the manufacturers of the stiller, the stillers of whiskey back then, uh, they were got together and they helped pass this law with, um, John Carlisle, who was the secretary of the treasury of the United States at the time that People that held the keys, the, the Johnny e. Fitzgerald lore and all that stuff with the, mm-hmm. with the treasury agents. And they passed this law. 
And so not only is it cool because it's the very first consumer protection legislation in the history of the United States, nine years before we cared about the safe labeling of our food and the Pure Food and Drug Act of 1906, we cared more about the quality of our whiskey. And I think that's another cool historic tidbit that is makes me love whiskey. And then bottle and bond. So bottle and bond, there's... It, it's very restricted. So bourbon is very restricted. Of You know, scotch is restricted. You have to make scotch in Scotland. Uh, that's pretty restricted. You know, it's, it comes mm-hmm. from one place. It's distilled up to uh, pretty high proofs. Uh, you can distill scotch up fairly high proof. You can add colors, caramel coloring to scotch. Uh, so even though it's more restricted than regular whiskey that you can basically make Everclear and add caramel colors on that too, scotch is more regulated. Same with Irish, same with Canadian. But with American bourbon whiskey, you have to distill it lower proofs. You have to, uh, you have to age it in a certain container. With Scotch and Irish, you can age it in oak. But here it has to be brand new charred oak. So it's, Amer- I'd argue that American whiskey is the most restricted whiskeys in the world. Mm-hmm. On top of that, yeah. <laughs> we then, might be yeah. a little biased, but, you know. And then on top of that, if you want to be bottled and bond, you have to be aged for a minimum of four years in the correct types of, of containers. You have to be bottled at exactly 100 proof. It has to be from one distillery, from one distilling season, from one. You must list the DSP, the distilled spirits producer number, uh, premises number on the label. You, uh, there's a lot of regulation. So it is the most restricted of the most restricted whiskeys in the world. So I, I hearken them to Boy Scouts earning badges. Right. You have to, you earn badges. There's, there's Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Those are badges distilled by, distilled by means that distillery made it. So whatever follows those two words, distilled by. So it doesn't say produced by. That doesn't mean that they made it. Distilled in Kentucky doesn't mean that they made it, but distilled by means they made it. That's a badge. Kentucky. Uh, well, we'll go from that. Whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Whiskey's a general, general, uh, badge. We're not vodka. We're whiskey. So we earn that badge. Um, straight is at least two years old. Okay. We earn that badge. Nothing but water added to it. Uh, Kentucky straight bourbon. Bourbon's not just rye whiskey or corn whiskey or blended whiskey. It's bourbon whiskey. It has certain restrictions in Kentucky. Don't have to tell you all. Mm-hmm. That's one of the most important things too, because we have, um, well, we have the expertise. We have the beams here. Our master distillers part of the beam family. Uh, we have, so not everybody has Fred No and Jimmy Russell and Parker Beam and Craig Beam and all these people at their disposal. You know, no, not very else. So if you lived in another s- state, you can't just call your neighbor and say, Hey, I'm having a problem, problem with my doubler. And then, Oh, why don't you just try that? You know, they do help each other out. They're all, there's only, you think that professional golfers are a small group. Of 150 to 200 people in the world. Mm-hmm. It's even Master smaller. distillers, you know, yeah. Yeah, 20 or 30, you know, and it's been a real handful that have been around. So even a bigger deal. So we have that expertise. We also have the, the seasons so that the, the, the whiskey can go in and out of the barrels. So not everybody has extreme cold and extreme hot. I always joke with people, do you want Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey or Florida straight bourbon whiskey? <laughs> yeah. So we all know the answer to that, but it's all hot. They, they, they're aging bourbon in Florida is going to be much, much different. It's going to take decades for them to figure out what's the optimal type of place to, to age it 
elevation, all that good stuff. How much time? Well, it was 20 degrees the other day. It's going to be 60 here on Saturday. Right. So. right. It's, it's quite, quite dramatic. I don't know if I want North Dakota straight bourbon whiskey because that's all cold. We don't get a lot of heat and the heat's a big deal. You know, it's, it's really what forces that whiskey in there. So, and I've heard y'all talking about this before, but they don't have the Buzics. That's and, right. Mm-hmm. In any other place in the world. So they're just going to put it in a warehouse, a real warehouse, like with in a warehouse on a pallet. Well, you need somebody who knows how to build those rick systems. And unless you live here in Kentucky and know the Buzics, you're not going to get that. Mm-hmm. So it's going to age different. So Kentucky means more than any other word on that label is more now, I think, means more now than it ever did. I, I agree uh-huh. so with that too. Um, so there you have badges. But if you put bottle and bond on top of it, it's got to be minimum of four years old, exactly 100 proof from one distillery, from one distilling season. You have to list the distillery on the package. Wow. So I call that the Eagle Scout. Yeah. That's the Eagle Scout of whiskey and spirits. So why wouldn't you buy every one? Yeah, I totally agree. And start your collection there. That's, so that's why I like bottle and bonds. That's a, that's a <laughs> very, very well in depth way to really put it. I think it's, uh, because I mean, it, it's great. Uh, I, who, I mean, how many people have we had on the show that said that bottled and bond is, a, the best bang for your buck and B, some of the, some of the best ones that are out there because you're not worried about lower proof. It's not too high proof, but it's, it's really good. It's that got that good balance to it as mm-hmm. well. And that's what the uh, mixologist, uh, here in town, which if you go down to Meta or if you go to, to, uh, you know, Silver Dollar or to El Camino or Eight Up, you know, you have these different programs that are built of making good cocktails and they like the hundred proof because like if you're making a Manhattan, you're going to add, uh, a part of sweet vermouth, a couple dashes. You're going to put it on ice, stir it. That ice is actually a component of that drink because it's going to melt and turn into water. So if you start with 80 or 86 proof, that base spirit can sometimes disappear in that cocktail. But if you start with 100 proof, it stands up and you go, oh, this is a bourbon cocktail or this is a rye cocktail or this is, you know, I, can, I the, the base spirit's still there. So that's why the, co- the cocktail world also likes 100 proof and they also like the history of it too. Mm-hmm. So before we start digging into, I guess, maybe some of the brands and your, your, your actual job, you do a lot of research, it, just bourbon in general, right? I mean, you've, you've, you've got a lot of articles on your website. Uh, by the way, you want to plug your website real quick? Sure. It's uh, whiskeyprof.com. There so you go. Like whiskey professor, but whiskeyprof.com. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, 
transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. So you do a lot of research. So is there like one thing that's always stood out to you is kind of like really fascinating, like something that you had like just you typically wouldn't have read unless you really dug down and found it? I found Frederick Stitzel's uh, a diagram of a Rick system, of the Turing Rick system, which mm-hmm. I thought was just fascinating in 1879. So his, and that's what another thing that separates everything that we do here in Kentucky a little bit different than, and the, you know, cause they're all, you know, I think that 95%, that's, I think that's the number everybody goes with is, is, of bourbon is made in Kentucky. I don't see that number falling even with all these hundreds of different micros, uh, smaller distilleries. Uh, it's probably going to go up because Diageo is building their big plant. So, and there's another one going up in Bardstown. So that minor number might even go up because mm-hmm. production, you know, is, is, is high at those places. But, um, I just think it's fascinating that, you know, aging, Accounts for 50% minimum, about 50, you know, for the rule of thumb. There's no strict number. Greg Davis taught me this, uh, the distiller's rule of thumb. Greg Davis over at Maker's Mark. Uh, and that's the thing about being an ambassador or in this industry. If you're, if you don't, like I'm, I'm, I'm really am, I, I, I don't want to learn just because it's my job. It is fascinating. And I think it's really cool if you can be making a living off something that you think is, fascinating and then that you you know i was a comedian so i I like being in front of people and talking i get my my thrills out of standing up in front of people and talking you know so and not every job can fill that void that uh, most people wouldn't have so i don't think i've ever given up stand-up comedy i just do it to different crowds and i'm talking about different things and i try to use humor to throw in because it's kind of dry and technical when you talk about <laughs> right, right, making yeah. a bourbon. It's always funny. I, I, <laughs> I talk to my mom. She's like, yeah, once you've seen every distillery tour, you've kind of, or once you've seen one, you've kind of yeah, seen, seen them, them all, all, right? It's it's all the same process. It's, it's the same process. It, it really is. But it is fascinating how they all make it their own. You know, if we all made the same thing, it'd mm-hmm. be pretty boring. So it's a good thing that, uh, you know, Four Roses only has single-story warehouses. It's cool that uh, Maker's Mark only makes one recipe, and, and they, they do a little variations, but it still has that one, one recipe, and we make – we make five recipes over here. So it's great that everybody has differences. But the rule of thumb is that 10% of the final pr- flavor profile, which you're going to be doing, is going to come from um, your yeast strain. Mm-hmm. And then 15% is going to come from distillation. So whether you have a column still or a, or a pot still or whatever, distillation, how how much you bring that, how many what, what proof you're bringing off the still, things like that. Then your fermentation, your small grains, that's 25%, but 50% is maturation. So if you have like our uh, Elijah Craig 18 or 23-year-old, that number is going to go higher of that 50%. You're probably going to go into it because it's much it's more gonna, aged. It's much more aged. much different flavor profile so, to it. So that's that's one. And, and he taught me that. I was like, man, now, now I, can really, I can really see how that's going to affect my final product. So when I talk to distillers, I can keep that in mind too and see – see how that goes. It's really, I think it's really cool. Uh, so those couple things have, 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 have been fascinating yeah. to me. Uh, the, the Stitzelweller diagram from 1879 and then uh, finding little things out that, but 
I have these people at my disposal when I go to whiskey shows and everybody else does too. When you have the bourbon classics and the bourbon affairs and the bourbon fests and different shows where these master distillers are, I really do go up and ask them all questions. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes I have one specific question for learning, learning, right? And I ask, I ask Denny Potter, one of our distillers and Charlie Downs, another distiller who's worked with the, uh, Earl Beam, Parker Beam, and Craig Beam, three generations of distillers he's worked with, and he's worked with three generations of our owners um, of the Shapira family. That's pretty – he's seen a lot. He's done a lot. So I ask these people because they're at my disposal because mm-hmm. I'm not an expert yet. You know, Jimmy well, Russell, Jimmy Russell's an expert. Yeah, 60 years. I've only been doing this 10 years. I'm not that huge of an expert, and I've never claimed to be. And But when I write these articles – and I post things, I'm learning. Sister Mary Alma taught me in grade school the best way to the best way to learn about something is to write a book about it. So I wrote a book about bourbon. Not to show off and say, hey, I'm an expert on bourbon. And I've said in my book, I'm learning too. This yeah. Is, I'm not an expert. That's, yet. that's how you have to do it, right? We're not but, either. Yeah, we yeah. try to host a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're, I'm the we're I'm, yeah, we're I'm the brand ambassador. We're not worthy. I don't know how to make <laughs> bourbon. I can tell you how it's made. I'm learning more all the time. Yeah. I'm learning more about the industry. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a face. I'm out there. I got to know these answers to the questions. I don't know the answer to every question. But it turns out after, after you do this for a while, you become kind of an expert. Yeah. So I kind of am. But as long as I tell myself I'm not, then for me it takes kind of the pressure off. Uh, I'm not trying to not sell what I do. I mean, it's I think the, I'm pretty good at what I do, it's but the, it's like it's I want to be able to make theory, sure, right? It's the imposter theory, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> so let's let's talk about your face in front of people. So what's the? I know you're getting ready to leave to go to Europe here very soon. So kind of talk about what's the what's the day in the life of Bernie and being a brand ambassador for Heaven Hill. When you when you travel to different places, whether the United States or or abroad, you usually are talking to different groups. So you're talking to your distributor partners, the people that actually sell your brands to the bars and restaurants and and, and that in the, in whatever city that they're in. So they've got to have a different knowledge than the consumer or the mixologist or the buyer for that who's bringing that in. So you got to have three different talks right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the salespeople how this compares with other competitors out there because when I was over in Europe, great question I have. Why do I ha- – I have Jim Beam and Jack Daniels. Why do I have to have Evan Williams on the back bar? Well, that's pretty elementary <laughs> and not just because, hey, you need to buy our stuff. Well, give us a one-on-one. Why, why would you? Well, the different ages and proofs, and that's where I bring up uh, age and proof. I've always talked that agent proof is important. Uh, that's why I think a bottle and bond with you know, a little bit higher proof. But those brands are uh, four-year-old 80-proof products. Uh, Evan Williams is a five-year-old. It's not age-dated, but it's a five-year-old product. And then it is at 86-proof. So it's going to stand up a little bit more, maybe not in a cocktail, That although one of my friends, he loves a, a Evan Williams Manhattan. But uh, I would make an Manhattan with Evan Williams White label, which is a bottle and bond product, and that's what I would make my Manhattan with. But fi- another year of age is going to add a little bit more oomph, a little more mm-hmm. barrel uh, notes than – I mean, Evan Williams, remember back in the day, used to be seven years old, 90 proof. You know, Then we had that pesky little fire and <laughs> had to make some decisions because we lost 100,000 barrels. It, so it's, it's, that's a good entree to probably – you know, when we talk about Elijah Craig later, what's, what's happening there – Sometimes you don't have a choice on some of these things. So they had to make a choice. So, and they were 
they were going up against products that were four year olds, 80 proof anyway. So they still made it a five year product and 86 proof. So that's a, there's a difference there. So there's a different flavor profile that you need, need to look at. And then there's price too. Stay tuned for the next episode where we dive into each of the Heaven Hill brands, as well as the removal of the Elijah Craig 12 year age statement. And it's also a bourbon pursuit first, where he actually breaks out the guitar for a solo performance. We'll see you on the next one.